This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Got rolling along, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Anyone else surprised to see Colton Wong in there? Were you surprised to see Colton Wong in the lineup yesterday? I think a lot of people were, at least from what I read elsewhere. There was some surprise that he was in there. I was not entirely surprised that he was in there. Mm. I figured that we would see him again at some point during the series against the A's, etc. But, and I'll, I'll throw this out there as a huge caveat, I was surprised that when he was in, that Caballero was out. Correct. I figured we'd see Colton Wong at second. Caballero would give either J.P. Crawford or mm-hmm. Eugenio Suarez a day off because mm-hmm. I feel like those guys could probably use it every once in a while. And I figured that would happen at some point during this A's series. But yep. I was a little surprised the way it went down. I do think you have to get Colton Wong into the game a couple of times before Dylan Moore comes back because there's no real downside, right? Either he plays well. Mm-hmm. comes up with a few hits. He did make a defensive play last night, which was good. Either he plays well, and when Dylan Moore comes back, you just send down Haggerty, or he stinks, and you can DFA him knowing that you tried everything. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of what I saw yesterday. I was also a little surprised that he let him hit against the lefty in the seventh mm-hmm. inning of a one-run game. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe you're just done, and you're like, yeah, dude, good luck out there against the lefty here, but... That that surprised me a little bit. I, I am curious what's going on there. I mean, are you trying to create as well before you DFA him? You know, maybe there is somebody that has a need for him. Yep. Maybe maybe there is some place that he would really like to go. And, you know, that, that that his numbers as atrocious as they were offensively in April are better in May. Mm-hmm. I mean, his bat and, and the, the numbers behind the scene are a little bit better. Defense, not quite so much in April or May. But, you know, possibly before you DFA him as well, you give, you know, yeah. people an opportunity to get a little look at him. Well, and showing that, hey, we don't need to, de- you know, we don't That's need right. to get rid of this guy. I mean, That's like, right. you know, hey, we, we want to, but, you know, he could still start for us. He's not toast or anything like that. But letting him hit against the lefty in the seventh, I, like, I just, I really was surprised when we ended up seeing that. But, hey, uh, you know, they win the game. They had five yep. good minutes of offense. I'm glad that J.P. Crawford was in there yesterday, right? I mean, like, yeah. he could have given him the day off, and thank God he didn't. One of two guys to kind of hit the ball yesterday with a little bit of authority as he went deep. So, You know what's amazing is if you watch the, the uh, super slow-mo, right, and you watch J.P., you compare and contrast – JP's home run, which was awesome, 104, 106 miles an hour, 375 feet. It took everything. Mm-hmm. Like he's in his stance. Like if you if you watch that thing, his front shoulders down. Like he's he lifts his leg. He, he gets that separation, and then he swings as hard as he can. Like his whole hair is blowing in his face. Like it is, yeah, all he can to get it there. <laughs> and contrast that with Kelnick yesterday, right? And and he, or two days ago, and his bomb at four. 55, right? I think the third longest in StatCast era for a lefty and how he was just like, eh, eh, I'll just kind of, you know, I mean, he's obviously swinging hard, but he doesn't even have to 
put full effort and energy into it like JP did last night. Good thing he did because they needed that. They needed oh, they that, did. obviously. And good on Ty JP, back. right? I mean, all the conversations about leadership, et cetera, and he's been that guy who we've talked about. Like, is he one of the leaders of this team? He's the guy who said he wanted to at the end of the year of 2021. Yeah, definitely. I definitely felt that this year, um, especially just having guys coming up to me, asking me questions and uh Knowing that I'm going to be that guy that people come up to, and I'm ready for that role. I've always been a leader ever since on my teams and whatnot, so um, I'm ready to lead. Uh, this is my team, and uh, I'm ready to put everybody on my back and just get the work and keep going how we are. He's kind of done that this year. Yep. I mean, you got to give him credit. Certainly on the field, he has been the leader and certainly the emotional leader of this team this year. Yeah, we kind of wondered, right, with him being empowered that they didn't go out and sign one of these four or five shortstops. Yep. And it was like, okay, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to move you to second base. We do believe in you and what you're capable of. And, and he has been. I, I know that Paston said to us yesterday he's been a below-league average hitter. But if you watch him every day, you see all the little things that he does do. Maybe Jerry will give us a little insight as well, Salky. I, I, I thought about that meeting a ton yesterday. And even watching that game, I thought of Scott Service's cut with us, you know, or, or, or with the media, you know, talking about coming home from that road trip. And I'm wondering who were the positional players mm. that were the most vocal. Who were those positional players that finally said, golly, come on, guys. Like, we got to hold up our end of the bargain. Our pitching has been phenomenal. I'd have to, if I had to bet, I'd put a little money that JP was one of them. Yeah. That he's been consistent enough, A, to be that voice, right? And then B, he's been here a while and, and he knows like how fleeting this thing can be and how quickly a season can go, no matter how awesome your pitching is, if you are as bad as they have been offensively. So, I would imagine he was one of those guys. Speaking of guys that have been here for a while, I think Marco was the longest tenured guy in the team, right? He's been here the longest. And last night, I don't know, you and I both had sort of the same view and sort of the same opinion watching it. Like, it felt a little bit like it was a job interview for him, a little bit like he was pitching to keep his job. Now, other people have done a great job. Mauro, you mentioned this yesterday, and I think Larry Stone pointed it out yesterday as well. Like, you know, the ERA over six is bad, but it's really been three bad starts and the rest of them, he's got an ERA of like three and a half. So you kind of look at them and mm-hmm. you can kind of look at that in, in two ways. But a six ERA is a six ERA. And it certainly stands out when you're watching Castillo and Gilbert and Miller and, and Kirby, right? Like one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, Brian Wu is doing his own thing in double A where he's having quality start after quality start. And we've seen what you know happened when Bryce Miller made the jump. We heard from Jerry DePoto already that Bryce is, is or that uh, Wu is basically ready to go, that you can't get off to a much better start than he did to begin this year. So Put all those things together. And oh, by together. the way, he's synced, and he's synced up with Marco. He's synced up with Marco, right? Both yes. guys were starting yesterday. I don't know whether it was actually that, but it kind of had that feel. And certainly if it was that, you would have to say Marco passed, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't yep, know maybe. whether he did enough that it's not still a conversation, but he certainly did enough that I'm not thinking like, you know, Brian Wu's going to make that next start in the rotation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just his stuff. I mean, it, it, you just compare his stuff, even to the to the young flamethrower yesterday from, from Oakland, hitting 98, 99. And, mm-hmm. you know, as Angie pointed out, the difference that that, that, that that takes in your reaction time, right, when you've got to make those decisions between, 
you know, is this a slider? Is this a fastball? And if they come down that same tunnel, I'm basically just guessing when that dude is throwing 99 miles an hour. You know, Marco's not that. He will never be that. He has absolutely maxed out everything that he has been given, but his stuff is not Brian Wu. I mean, his stuff is not the four other guys. So he has to be so stinking sharp, right? His cutter, or his changeup, or his off speed, and his. Oof, yeah, he has no margin. No. And he had no margin because people are A, breathing behind his neck, and he's got no margin because his stuff just isn't as dynamic and as electric as most in this league, and certainly on his own staff. If you had to bet right now, does Marco— Who's going to start this year? Who's going to start this oh, year? Oh, I'm sure he will at some point, but and that may be because of injury, et cetera. Barring injury, does Marco Gonzalez stay in the rotation all year? Ooh. If I had to bet today, probably not. Yeah, I think I kind of feel the same. And I and I don't know that. I mean, like, I mean, it's up to him. Certainly, if he continues to roll out quality starts, six innings, two runs, he will start all year. Well, and I think but he was out of the rotation the last year in, in the playoffs. Like I, that, yes. that that actually happened. And that's still Those, kind of in my mind. I think we've said this before. Those other four, they could pitch anywhere against anybody against any lineup. Marco is a guy that I think is a little dependent upon the competition he faces, mm-hmm. the building that he pitches in, the weather that day. Like all of those things kind of come into play for him, right? He's, he's a golfer that there's going to be certain courses that are like, yep, can't win this tourney. Right. Like it's just the way it's set up, you know? It, it, was it Kevin uh, Na who said that? He was like, yeah, I'm not going to compete <laughs> yes, there. I'm not gonna, Kevin Kisner, gonna, I think, said the same thing. Like, yeah, I'm not, I don't hit it long enough. I'm not going to Kevin Kisner there. said that. He's like, well, then they asked, why do you still play? He's like, because the, the check at 20th right. is still pretty good. Because <laughs> when I finish you know? 50th, I still get paid. What are you talking yes. about? Why do I show up? <laughs> uh, well, we'll see what happens. Good on Marco. If it was yep. in any way uh, an important one for him, good on him. He absolutely delivered, did exactly the what Mariners. they needed, and good on them. They had five good minutes yep. of offense, and it was enough to beat the A's yesterday. All right, coming up, we'll give you everything you need to know, including some sound from Dave Haxtall, Brock, that I found very compelling. I'll play it for you next and everything you need to know. It's coming up. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. The return of the home run ball, at least for a few minutes, and that's all they needed yesterday. It was a 3-2 game, but this time, Brock, the Mariners actually on the winning side of that for a change, which is what they needed. They got a few timely home runs, down 2-0 in the fifth. Their shortstop stepped up. The 1-0 pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to right field. Laureano's not going to get this one. Goodbye baseball. J.P. Crawford has just tied the ball game at 2-2, his second home run of the season. How about that? J.P. Crawford, Ty France then followed with one of his own. The bullpen did the rest. Essentially, as I said, five good minutes of offense. But the rest of the game was sort of more of what we've seen for a long time. But that's all they needed to get done yesterday. I mean, you're still at a place of the season where you can spin these numbers around, right? And and you, you know, as Jerry DePoto said to us last week, last Thursday, there's been more good than bad. And depending on how you spin numbers, and if you look at your pitching staff, that's absolutely right. That was a 26 quality start for the Mariners, tied with the Toronto wow. Blue Jays for the most. But when it comes to winning and losing, what really is a huge key for them this year is when they just hit a home run. When they hit a home run, they're 21 and 12. Which, by the way, they're very capable of doing. They've got a lot of guys who are good home run hitters. They just haven't been hitting a lot of home runs. That's right. So nine games over 500 when you just simply mm. hit a home run with all the strikeouts Crazy. that they have had. If they could just do that, up the power. And, and as you said, I think really eight of the nine and even JP showed last night he can hit a home run. Just about everybody in that lineup can. When they do it, they find a way to win. Yeah, unfortunately, some bad news late in the game. Uh 
Trevor May, just in from the IL for anxiety, throws a pitch up and in, hits Ty France in the wrist. Again, I think everybody knows how I feel about wrists. Here's Scott with the latest. Uh, initial reports on Ty are it is not fractured. Um, obviously, it's a contusion uh, right there in the left wrist where he got smoked uh, by the fastball uh, from May. And, um, you know, um, he's going to be sore. We'll have to wait and see really day to day. Um, probably wouldn't expect him to be able to go tomorrow. Maybe the next day. We'll just have to wait and see. You know what I do? I put him on the IL. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mess around. He's come back too early, what, twice now, each of the last two years from wrist injuries. Yeah, I think the hardest part with that is not even the trauma to it. As he said, it's. Now, do you go about changing your swing, right? Like, do you go about and he just leads? Leave, just let the guy out. Just let him not play for a little while. Put him on the IL. And by the way, Eric Hosmer was DFA'd this week. If you need a veteran to come in and fill that role for a short amount of time, why not try out Eric Hosmer, who should be a free agent any day now, and see if that could work for you. By the way, we were talking about Prelander Barrow quite a bit last week. Mm-hmm. He had another fantastic outing out of the pen yesterday when a clean inning. So just another thing to watch for tonight. Bryce Miller will be making his fifth start. First time he's seen an opponent the second time. I know they're a double-A opponent, but still, second time the A's will have eyes on Bryce Miller. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, I was certainly surprised yesterday when we found out Tariq Woolen was going to miss the rest of this offseason after getting his knee scoped. But again, of all the things that you can have, a, you know, arthroscopic knee surgery, generally not too serious, should be able to bounce back, no problem. And the recovery time for that is not all that long. Glad to see that this is in the off season. Seahawks will be back out for practice today and tomorrow. Uh, they're only open tomorrow, though, so I'm going to try to make my uh, way out there and watch some of that. Will I see Daryl Taylor there? We talked to Brady Henderson about that. Yeah, well, so he's not in a contract year. Like, he's, he's not going to be an unrestricted guy next year, but just because of the, the fact that he spent... Uh, his first season, I think, on NFI with the college injury. So oh, okay. the way that works is his contract now, his contract told. So he's actually going to be a restricted free agent uh, after this season, I believe. And so not not quite a contract year. But, yeah, I, I was surprised not to see him there. He's got a very good reason to be there when you think about the fact that they drafted, you know, for the second year in a row, they drafted a guy in the second round to compete with him, if not ultimately replace him. And not a contract year technically because he can't become unrestricted, but it is a contract year in the fact that he could be restricted. It's a it's a big year. It's a big year. And when, when they draft somebody that is very similar to you and your skill set and does a lot of the things that they want you to do, I think if you're Daryl Taylor, you want to be there. So we'll get a report. As you said, today they'll be out there. The media won't be able to cover it. Tomorrow all eyes will be back out on that field. And maybe Pete Carroll can, can also address exactly what happened to Tariq and that one misstep as he was heading out to the practice field that caused that arthroscopic surgery. Here's the third thing you need to know. NHL playoffs continuing on. Uh, certainly looking like a likely Vegas versus Florida. Sheesh. Very warm weather. <laughs> Stanley Cup final when it's all said and done. Uh, Dave Haxtell on yesterday with Bump and Stacy. Really interesting, good interview. A few things jumped out to me. Uh, Brock, we've talked about the need for them to find potentially some big-time goal scorers. Do you hear that here from Dave Haxtell? For me, we need to keep growing. Mostly, you know, we need to keep growing from within. Continue growing in terms of adding difference makers. The more guys that you can add that are impact guys that can make a difference 
at that critical time of the game. Difference makers, impact guys, critical times of the game. I don't think yeah. that's an accident. Nope, nope. Without losing the essence of who you are, right? Still do it and grow this thing from within. Yep. But then go about and, and spend what you've got to spend. And, you know, that's certainly a conversation in this town with our teams. Uh, how, how will they go about that? How do they structure it? How does that work in the NHL? I know they have a salary cap, right? Yep. I know, I know, I know but it's, they, they got some room. They do. They do. They got room to try to add if that's what they they want to do. I'm going to guess they made a little money this year. And they also have a young player in Shane Wright who was the third overall pick last year. And every time either of their, you know, Dave Hackstall or Ron Francis is asked about him, the answer seems to have a very common refrain. For next year, that's going to have to be determined as he comes to camp. So, you know, the most important part for him is going to be how he's able to put together his summer, have a great hard-working summer getting <laughs> every time they mention yeah. it's like, well he's got work hard. to do he's got work to do got work got work hard yep really got really got to work hard hard work that number three pick doesn't mean anything work hard just yep. make sure you work hard all right there you go that's everything you need to know uh we do that quarter past every hour here on the brock and silk show uh so why is g coming in early is he out of town Friday? He's out of town Friday, or he's not in on Friday for some reason. So G is coming in here in a few minutes. It's going to be kind of a silly uh, next few hours. G's coming in next. Uh, I am told that at 8.30 today, the uh, triumphant return of our Answer the Question Jerk insider, Matt Johnson, uh-huh. uh, will be here for an extended Answer the Question Jerk. Now, I threw out some, you know, the option to th- uh, give us questions yesterday on Twitter. Some. Uh, there were some good ones. I got some. I, was, I, 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 I got some. <laughs> I thought I, was, I thought there would be more. A little disappointed in the, the oh, questions. Okay. All right. So you can text them in, 866-979-3776 in the next hour. That's Mac and Jack's text line. Or you can you know reply to my tweet, and that might be the easiest way, so I make sure I see it. But either way, right? I mean, need questions. Any question, any subject. And you know, think about the fact that the legend himself, our answer to the question jerk insider, will be here at 8.30. So I'm looking outside. I don't see G, but he said he would be here at 7.30. So okay. assuming he uh, assuming he waltzes over here, we will talk to G. And I actually have Maybe a... if we just start playing the music. Yeah. You yeah, think it'll like know. summon him? Yes. Mm. Exactly what it does. Yet? Did you go pow, pow, pow today as well? Did you? Did you? Which I forgot today. What? Oh, it's pow, pow, hee. Pow, pow, hee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, keep playing the music. I want this to be like, uh, who is it whose name? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And all of a sudden, G arrives. Yeah. G. Scott. G. Scott. G. Scott. He's like, here's Johnny. All right. G. Scott, hopefully, in next. Brock and Sox, Yale Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Every afternoon at 2. Every opinion about the Mariners to this point is based on what we've seen to this point. The numbers are way off. You would think that there's going to be a huge regression to the mean, or progression in this case, and I feel like that's coming. And it's going to probably fall in line with somebody else who's hot right now who cools off. You don't ever have one through nine who are on fire. That's not a realistic expectation, but you can't have the guys that are scuffling to be scuffling as badly as they are. This is Seattle Sports. On 710 and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Hey, look at work. We manifested G. Scott. All we had to do was play his music and he shows up. Like the Candyman. Man. Or like Beetlejuice. That's what I'm talking about. Good morning, everybody. Wait, this is the 7 o'clock hour of the Brock and Salk show. I know. They not used to be at this Very time. Uh-uh. What, what, you Brock. more like Beetlejuice and more like the Candyman. A uh, Candyman. 
Candyman was scary, bro. <laughs> like, for real. Like, low-key scary. Had your boy scared to go to the bathroom. But I, w- I went. You to- end up knocking the boots. Candyman can. I, I went to, you know what? <laughs> I think Candyman came out, like, 1992. Brock, I went with this, man, I went with this girl uh, to go see Candyman. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So what I said was right. No, you know what? I was I was about to tell a story, yeah. and I realized I couldn't finish the story. Not appropriate. <laughs> no, yeah, I just move right on. Come on, it's seven o'clock that. hour. Brock and song. What y'all talking about during this time? Well, let's uh, start with the uh, only real big piece of Seahawks news, which yeah. is that Tariq Woolen uh, had arthroscopic knee surgery yesterday. What was your reaction when you found out? Shocked, just like y'all. Like, whoa, what? And just hoping that uh, he's going to be okay. I mean, reports say he's going to be back by training camp. But, you know, it's always one of those things, right? Like, we know what the reports say. The reports say that they should be back by then. It's not, It's like you yourself. Now, I always like to say, get away from football. You yourself. Well, employer, the doctor said I should be back by this time. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to be back when you're better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you ultimately want for Reek, right? You want Tariq to be 100% when he comes back. You don't want him to come back too late. You don't want him to come back too soon, for sure. So you just pray that he's going to be in good health. So that's about what I got. Yeah, you think it, walking on the practice field. That was a new one. I hadn't heard that one before, G. He, he got it, so misstepping on the practice field, walking out there. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. Yep. <laughs> so you don't believe it at all, Brock? I, I, I walking on the practice field. Uh, I don't know. I that that's hard for me with the caliber of athlete that he is. Right. Well, so I, I don't know. I mean, that, was that was that what the report said? The report that's said. What the report yeah. was. I, I mean, it, it happens. It uh-huh. can. It, it, it can, it's, it's, a, it's a possibility. Either yep. e- either either way, right? Like this maybe is maybe he just felt it for the first. Like, uh, hey, you know what? As I'm walking out here, it doesn't feel right. I don't know. Maybe it's funny. You guys are being super cynical about this. I am generally very cynical. I was not that cynical about it. Like, eh. Huh. All right, he tweaked his knee, or as he walked, he took a funny step, or he just it, it was maybe bothering him a little bit, and then it got worse. Like I don't know, that didn't. What does this group do? do G, have you? Are there a lot of hoopers? Is this is this a crew that you know? There's teams, different teams through the years. I played with different guys that love no, to hoop. I think. I think Bobby even said it. Bobby's like, yeah, I've changed up some of my routine. I'm playing a lot more basketball and doing yoga. Is it? Is this a group that I don't likes think, to hoop? I don't, but these guys don't hoop like the last group used to hoop. Them, them last group, the last group still hoops today. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, no, Doug, you're not going to the NBA, bro. But no, they all uh, tend to do that. I mean, I think all, a lot of these guys do different things. I just think that the – the, the group that I saw when they were rookies back in the day, that was really the thing. They were for sure at L.A. Fitness all the time. I've been wanting to ask you this, actually. I was going to get to it last week, and then we, we ended up getting caught up in too many other things and arguing about Jamal Adams and everything else. Sure. But uh, you had um, a, a, a house guest last week. That's okay to talk about, right? Yeah, that's okay. Your right. house guest. Yeah. So, so Jackson Smith and Jigba's dad, Mata, yeah. who I had a chance to meet when I went out to a rookie camp, and you introduced me to him. Really nice guy. Yeah. Really, really nice guy. Solid. Uh, at, he's a, uh, he's a fireman, uh, fireman uh-huh. down in Texas, yep. right? So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so he stayed at your house. Yeah. What was his impression of what he saw here, both at rookie camp and at the VMAC and in Seattle. Like, could you take me through like a few days of a dad's life of journeying with his son, the number 20 pick in the NFL draft mm-hmm. to Seattle for rookie minicamp? What did he see? He uses the words 
two words, first class. And he said, now, gee, I know you always talk about this organization. And he's like, but I really didn't care because it didn't say anything about the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys because uh, that's where he's from. Um, but he was like, wait, I my son getting drafted there, it's a whole different level when it involves your kids. It's like that school in your neighborhood. You don't really care about it too much until your child is going to that school. And that's the same thing here. So first of all, when I say first class, you got to think when, uh, when Jackson gets drafted, they fly them out right afterwards. Okay. Then now when they come back the next week for rookie minicamp, they were just expecting, he was just expecting to just show up and be like, okay, watch some practice. Mm -hmm. He didn't know about the investment that the Seattle Seahawks as an organization takes into the parents. He was like, man, almost felt like I had me a jersey, right? Because the important part is getting to know these families. I mean, they take them to dinner. They they have meetings with them, talking to them. With the families. With the families, showing them, okay, yes, those are the coaches, right? The coaches, that's going to be to make your young man a better player on the field. But, Brock, they did a lot of showing the wraparound services. And so he was so impressed by that because the things that – Okay, on TV, you only see on TV the head coach or defensive coordinator or D-line coach or wide receivers coach. You don't see the background of what it really takes Mm. to keep that young man safe, to keep that young man doing the right things off the field. So when he got to see and meet the Mo Kellys and Connie Cates and and, and, and Eric Kennedys and all the people, the wraparound services behind the scene, (laughs) he was so impressed by that. He was also impressed by just how engaging and cool everyone in the staff was. And one of the things we also talked about is – the, the, the saying of always compete, right? Pete Carroll's always this, you got to compete, you got to compete, you got to be this player. And you're like, oh, if this player isn't good, this player gets cut. Well, I want to just stress this something out. Everybody in that building competes. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all of the service, everyone that does their job inside of that Virginia Mason Athletic Center does their job. So Mata was just super pumped. Oh, he said, so, gee, man, so they, they took me to El Gacho's. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, man, I was a gotcho. He said, so I'm getting ready to walk in. I'm going to order me a quesadilla. Because I thought El Gacho's, he said, Mata said, Mata said, I thought El, I thought El Gacho's was, 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 a Mexican, was, a, was a Mexican restaurant. He said, man, that El Gacho's was so good. <laughs> okay, so two two things come to mind through, through, through your conversation. What's there. that? What's that? Do you think that that whole situation and process is ramped up since Malik McDowell? Because I don't ever remember it in my day. None, none of my parents didn't come out. They didn't do any of that. They had done it. I, I remember Malik Dow's mom was out. And I, and I know they met with the rookies then and, and made it very clear. Like, listen, this is some of the most dangerous time of your life. After these rookie minicamps and, and minicamp ends and you go home for a month, you got coin in your pocket. Everybody wants a piece of you. And, you know, like you, you don't jump on our insurance, NFL insurance, until you come back and, and you know, you make the team and everything sure. else. So sure. do you think this whole deal or, or do you remember the last 10, 15 years? No, this is what John and Pete have always done. That's what they've always done. Okay. They, 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 they've been doing this, right? Like, and I, I wish they'd do a 30 for 30 for how they do things. And I think NFL teams around the league. And so that's another thing, uh, hopping on to that, Mike, is, is he says he's talked to other parents. 
Nope. He's talked to other the same draft class in the same draft class at other organizations, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Oh, oh, they didn't take you to El Gaucho? Oh, they, oh. oh y'all remember don't... when the NFLPA came oh. out with uh, report cards this year for the teams where the players had like got to yeah. grade, and um, the Cardinals, the Bengals, the mm. Jaguars, and the Commanders all got F's for how they treated their fans. Oh, you mean like Paris Johnson down there in Arizona? <laughs> like, is this? Oh, yeah, yeah, or. Or his buddy C.J. Stroud down there in Houston. Oh, yeah. maybe not quite the same. It's the treatment that he's getting in Seattle. Okay, now how about a funny one along funny those that lines? Those just happen to be where two of the other first-round uh-huh. Ohio State kids happen yeah. to go. I mean, right. I mean talk about a, a juxtaposition in in style. I mean, yeah. like how different could it be? Now, now he did. Now he did want to uh, let it be known, and 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 I'll call him out after this because I'm putting his business in the streets. He said, "Man, what is it?" About the sleep I just got. He said the Pacific Northwest mm. and the trees got your boy sleeping hard. <laughs> More oxygen. He's, that's what I told him. I told him. He, mm. said, he said it's the best sleep ever. Mm. And so, yeah, that was that was cool. And, and Jackson Jackson came over, too, as well. He had some of my good old steaks. Yeah. I had to make some. I mean, they're not and, El Gaucho, and, but and, they're good, right? I mean, I put him in a sous vide, then put him on, the, on a blazing bull. It was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Do you, do you think? Here's yeah. a funny one. Yeah. Do you, because they look at everything, right? Compete, always compete. It's everything. Yeah. Do you think the staff and those people compete and analyze the parents? You think they study them? You think they watch them? Do you think they take some notes on all the parents as well? You know, those parents are thinking they're getting the royal treatment, but I wonder if some of the some of that is also like, hey. We got to get to know, you know, these kids and, and we're going to get to know them even more. These young men through their parents when we have them in our setting as well. Apple don't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> right. Apple don't fall too far for the tree. And I do. I think opinion. This is not a fact. My opinion. So you take it with a grain of salt. I think that when they have these parents around and these loved ones around, I think it is a way for the Seattle Seahawks to kind of gauge what their rookie class mm-hmm. is going yep. to be like. Yep. So you go back to last year. Parents, loved ones, fantastic. Oh, rookie class, amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then this year, from what I've been hearing, Rookie class, the parents, loved ones, amazing group. We think we got another good one this time. So there might be a coincidence for another good rookie class. So, yeah, I do think that they, you, you they be, check out the parents. You want to be judged by your parents? I mean, Look, I don't know that I want to be judged by my parents. I love my parents dearly, uh, but I don't want anybody I, I, judging actually, me based on my parents. I, I, okay. <laughs> Whether you want to be judged by your parents, yeah. let's, everybody that's listening right now in your car, in your you house, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Real quick, Larry, yeah. judging Larry, yeah. you mean to tell me, your mama yeah. and, your, and Larry saw and yeah. Jane, Larry and, and Jane. Larry and Jane, mm-hmm. you mean to tell me, yeah. if I, we see them, we wouldn't be like, yeah. nah. I understand Mike Salk. If you met my dad, you would know exactly where I came from. If you met my mom, you'd be like, wow, Mike must be really nice. What an incredibly nice guy. Almost too nice. You got to figure out one of the the Hewards. Come on now. The Hewards. If Uh if you met the Hewards, you'd be like, oh, Brock makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right? Damon makes sense. I I do believe that you can really get a lot out of like, hmm, Hmm. show me who the parents are Mm -hmm. and I'll show you where that baby and that child's going. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Like yep. if if you saw if you saw my dad rest in peace, if you would have seen my dad, you'd be like, mm, kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, I get it. He's not as charismatic as his dad. But I understand. Wow. My dad is the one that comes in the room, tells everybody how great they are. You look fantastic. Right. Oh, my good Girl, where you get those shoes from? That's my dad <laughs> talking. That's sort of what you are. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean, like, I, you can say that's not who you are, but I, mean, I know it is. More, hey. I wonder if more and Justin are going to ever tell the world how I address Dude, them. wait till you find out. In, wait till you find out uh, that Justin and his girlfriend. Don't do this. No? Oh. All right. Never so, mind. So just I told him he could never let you know. So right. just mad that I'm out uh-huh. eleading him. You know That's what? all this is. I won't say it on the air. What Go happened? ask Justin about Betsy. Just do me a favor. It's before I know you got thing. a 745 uh, hit next door over uh, with Dave Ross. <laughs> Go before you leave or maybe come back and just ask Justin in a break about Betsy. I think she's going to stick up for me am, on this. Am I, am I don't I, think he will. I would be very surprised. Can you guys tell me in 30 seconds? No, can't put it on the air. It's not fair. Can't put, you can't put out family business. Yep. It, it was one thing for you to do it to Mata. We're not going to do it to Justin. <laughs> See you, buddy. Uh, the uh, Gene Ursula show is every morning from 9 to noon over on our sister station, 93 Cairo News Radio, 93.7 Cairo News Radio. And yes, G's normally here with us Fridays at 8.30, but he's going to be off this week, so it's nice of him to join us a little early. Uh, right now, Brock, let's roll straight into Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Song. All right, are we still going through these guys in terms of uh, the adjustments they're going to have to make? Let's start yeah. uh, with uh, the next guy on our list would be Zach Charbonnet. Uh, what adjustments will he need to make to make to, 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 to succeed at the next level? Yeah, I think of this whole rookie class, he's got the fewest. Honestly, is, is I look, and part of that's a running back position. I mean, you saw it with Ken Walker last year. You've seen it with Jonathan Taylor. You've seen it with running backs here recently come into this league. Like, if you can run and you've got the instincts and the tools, that carries. And, you know, whether that's Pop Warner, junior high, high school, college, pro, like, hey, man, yeah, if you could do that and you could play that position and you've got those, you know, that those particular sets of skills, they play very quickly. Now, will he have to, I think, adjustment-wise, learn how to protect the passer in multiple different protections? You know, things that weren't maybe in the passing game the most complex with Chip Kelly at UCLA? Sure. I mean, there's going to be areas of pass protection. I think he's a good pass catcher and route runner. But those are the areas where you can refine as a runner. This is this is a guy you're not going to have to teach like you did Ken Walker. Because he did it in college. He did it at Michigan, and he did it at UCLA. He did it in a system at Michigan that's very much this system. And then he did it at UCLA with a very average O-line where he didn't try to hit the home run all the time. I'll go get that single. I'll go get that double. I'll run into darkness, and I don't mind. Ken Walker had to learn that last year. He does not. And, and I think it's why he was so attractive to them at 52. It is why Jim Nagy said what he said. And that is, hey, man, if something were to happen to Ken, you do not lose your culture. You do not lose your style one bit if it's Zach Charbonnet that's going to be toting the rock 20, 25 times. So adjustment-wise, he may have the fewest, mm. quite honestly. Not this the answer I was expecting. Class. Question number two. <laughs> I'll come back to that one. Uh, sneaky storyline to watch, Brock. Where did, give me a very competitive Seahawks position group that we're not talking enough about. That tight end room, man. Mm. That tight end room. 
And Will Disley's going to be here. Will Disley signed a really nice deal. I went back and kind of looked at his oh, yeah. contract. Was they paid curi- him. Uh, yeah. was kind of curious to see. Like, well, no offense. He is in the final year. They picked up the fifth-year option. So he's he's got his guaranteed money. Uh, Colby Parkinson is is you know on a cheap deal as a former fourth round pick who kind of came to life last year especially when will got hurt and i was just kind of curious like how big of a deal is will's contract and what would that look like if if he can't stay healthy and he's fighting and he's fighting back from a pretty significant knee injury Mm -hmm. a very unique one and he's on that field and he's working he's not going anywhere so the, the dead cap would be off the charts like over 11 12 million bucks so he is going to be here he signed a great contract for himself but that doesn't mean he's guaranteed the number of reps that he got early. So just from a competitive standpoint, because of what Parkinson did in the second half of last year, man, that is going to be feisty. We talk about the running back room being competitive. We talk about the receiver room. We talk about that outside linebacker. Throw tight end on that list as well, because you got three guys that all want to eat and all can eat pretty darn well. All right, question number three. Saw this story uh, from Mike Burrell and others this week. What is going on with the Pac-12 and these cutbacks? And all of a sudden, now Wazoo has freezes in their hiring department, their athletic. Like, what, what's going on here? Because it doesn't yeah. sound good for the Pac-12. Yeah, it's it's really bad. It's real bad. And, and it's real bad in particular for Wazoo. And this speaks to Salk, and, I, and we're not going to get into this huge debate of college athletics once again and all these billions of dollars they make. But when it comes, push comes to shove, and you talk about these budgets at particular schools, and especially those schools like Wazoo or Oregon State or Kansas State, they don't they don't have margin. They don't have tens of millions of dollars hanging around. So here's the details. I reached out to somebody that I really trust that knows this stuff. Comcast overpaid the Pac-12 network $5 million per year, Salk, for 10 years. Why? Comcast overpaid why? the Pac-12 because they made a snafu. Just an in, error? A clerical yeah, they, error of a clerical, $5 million a year? A clerical what? accounting error that they overpaid in their contract $5 million per year for 10 years. Pac-12 discovered the error six years ago and did nothing. Did nothing at that time. Comcast discovered the error last fall. Guess what they did? Uh, they did something, and they withheld $50 million from what it should pay. So it comes out to about $5.5 million over two years that each of the conference schools are responsible for. Wazoo had a few other issues related to some accounting, so that is why it's a problem. Uh, last note for my buddy, they might go after Larry for damages if there's proof that he knew about the overpayments. Well, that's funny. All right, <laughs> that is uh, today's Blue 88. Uh, I do want to follow up on that. All right, so let me follow up on that, then I'll come back to Zach Charbonnet. Um, What? Yeah. How would you, first of all, how would you like to be the person who overpaid by $5 million a year if you were were Comcast? Like, how Mm -hmm. does that happen? Like... Well, that that's, shows you, guess what they've tough. got? They've got many, many millions. Right. They've I got mean, many, many zeros. So much so, money. Yes. But still, like, oops, sorry, accidentally uh-huh. overpaid by $5 million a year for a decade. Yep. Second of all, Larry knew and didn't say anything? Well, that's what he's going to say he didn't know, right? I mean, he's going to absolutely say, I didn't know. That's I'm not in charge of accounting. I'm not in charge of that. I'm not, you know, that that is the, that's the folks that, that work in that department. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Pretty that bad is, deal. That is very, very interesting. But really rough. I mean, like, and if that's the case, is that another reason why all these these companies are like, yeah, I don't want to do business with the Pac-12? 
Well, possibly. Right? I'll like, tell you I this. Mean, like, it's, that, it's, it's, that's what we're dealing with? Like, I don't want to do, do business with them. Yeah, and it's and again, who, who gets hurt in the end? It's Wazoo who has hiring freezes, can't right. travel, can't have any extra expense. In this day and age, can't pay people. Yeah, you know, it's no but, good. Yeah, it's brutal. I Absolutely. thought you were going to have a different answer on Zach Charbonnet. I mean, you said you didn't think he would have too much to do in terms of adjustments. Not mm-hmm. the answer I thought you were going to give. I, I Just after seeing him now a few times and, and being out there and seeing – how not just how big he is because he is a big dude. I mean, not oversized, but he's like a bigger running back. Mm-hmm. He's taller and a little bit more upright than mm-hmm. most running backs you see. I thought your answer was going to have something to do with getting his pad level down. Yeah, because I would I would assume now I haven't watched the guy play enough, but I would assume that for a player of his size at that position, that that is a like his biggest challenge is keeping his pad level low enough to not get drilled. No, I think that is fair, and, and the amount of contact that he is going to face and, and the kind of vicious hits that you do take, not just from the linebackers in this league, but particularly the safeties that mm-hmm. come down at you. Yeah, he's, he's going to have to do that, but at contact, they call him the Terminator for a reason. Like He's able at contact to get those pads down, to move those piles. Right? He, it was so often a, a one-yard, two-yard turns into four because he does know how to leverage, and he does have – I mean, you saw him, and you could see the videos, like his leg power yeah. and strength – I mean, you said kind of compared to Marshawn, a little bit different, but Marshawn no, had the way that he same. ran. I don't, th- I don't see the body type as being different. Just sort of his style of like gyro ball back and forth, like yes, and unpredictability, the horsepower the they create yeah. in their legs and with their balance and contact balance. It's yeah, it's it's pretty special. Man, so, you mentioned the Terminator. I, I went yep. to go see a friend of ours yesterday, and uh, their son was home sick mm-hmm. from school mm-hmm. that day. He's mm-hmm. like I don't know, fifteen. Yeah, dude, watch the Terminator. And when I saw him, I was like, what are you going to do next? He's like, I'm going to watch Terminator 2. I was like, for the first time? He's like, yeah. I was like, I was so jealous that he got to watch Terminator 2 for the first time. Like, I got to say, like, of all the, of all the like, premieres in my life, I would say the two that people were most excited about were Independence Day and Terminator 2. And, you know, it's hard to think about it now because it looks, you know, older now. But at the time, the special effects, that was the state-of-the-art Biggest thing in state of, in special effects until mm. the Matrix, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's like There's essentially more than it. a decade on how Terminator Two changed the game. And he comes down after watching like the first half hour, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is unbelievable!" <laughs> oh, he loved it. Okay, good. He's like the chase scene corny. on the motorcycle. The motorcycle chase scene iconic, dude. When he cut co- when, when so it's still when the played all these years comes later. Out, bashes the top of the windshield down, and like it's on again. Like Guns and Roses blaring, like. Dude, that's a pretty the good The only movie. thing I can handle, like, is anybody who's ridden that motorcycle, it doesn't sound like that, and it doesn't have that many gears. Don't care. <laughs> just, Don't that part care at all. So he also smashes the, the window, even though it was already gone in the crash. Like, dude, yeah, I, I don't know. know whether tractor trailers can go over 70-foot cliffs and this. then continue to keep going. <laughs> You're worried about the sound of the gears in a motorcycle? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We'll be right back. Brock and Sox, Sports on 710.